You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Just like that, the second hour is here. Outkick 360 rolls on. Across the Outkick Network. Hutton and Withrow with you. Coming up, we'll get into the Pac-12 and the media contract trouble that they could be in. Needing to strike a TV deal uh, moving forward past 2024. That's yet to happen. Details on that. Plus, uh, NBA All-Star Weekend. Tennessee, Alabama tonight with a weird line out of Vegas. Chad's got details well, for us Well, prediction, there. I bet that line, uh, I, th- I thought this when I tweeted about it last night, that it will flip. We'll see when okay. we talk about it if it's already flipped, but I, I'm going to be shocked if it stays where it was. So uh, the story from Jordan Schultz at the score, um, during the offensive coordinator search for Baltimore and the Ravens, they were not assuring the offensive coordinators that Lamar Jackson was going to be their quarterback next season I buy this I also buy the fact that they want him back but what they don't know Chad is Lamar Jackson's side of things and how he's going to handle moving forward with the Ravens yeah I mean I this is just it's odd in that the question now is being posed you know if you're franchised uh, I was actually watching ESPN this morning and Herm Edwards was asked the question yeah. it's a good example former you know head coach in the NFL for years, and he said, if you're Lamar Jackson, or if you're offering up advice to Lamar Jackson, if you are franchised, do you play? And he took a beat and he said, no, because this was the year that I was playing for the contract. Hmm. And I went out and did it with no assurances and got hurt. So I'm not playing. But I'm also thinking, how is that the best option? Just to sit out? You know, to right. I mean, I, I, I don't know. You're going to make an awful lot of money on the franchise tag. I, I think that's going a long way to say that, it, you know, if you don't believe in me at all by this point, then I'm out. But the reason you don't believe in them is because of the injuries late in the season. That's, that's really it. I don't know any other reasons not to believe in the guy's play based on what he's done for your franchise, right? It's all about the injury, but then on the flip side, you could argue, well, the injury this last time came in a season where he was playing uh, on an improvement year and, and decided to go out there and do it, even though you wouldn't lock him up long-term before the season. It's a tricky situation. Now, well, my, my advice would be play and make you know the average of the top five quarterbacks in the league for a year and then see where it goes. Well, they could tag him again, but then it goes up by 10% on the tag versus where it was. So he'll get 100, oh, 120%, excuse me. Um, so he's, he, he makes bank doing that. He doesn't get the fully guaranteed contract that he wants, which is what we saw from, uh, from the Browns, right? He wants that type of money. The other thing from Baltimore's end of it, and I know the quotes, uh, Harbaugh saying at the end of season press conference, there's no question about it. Lamar's our quarterback. Uh, he, he, he's setting the, the tone of negotiations 
by saying 200%, he, we want him back. He, he's confident that Lamar Jackson's going to play in Baltimore next year. Um, also keep this in mind, too. Lamar Jackson had a hand in who they hired for offensive coordinator. That's also been reported. And if that's true, then they're making sure that he's happy with the direction of the offense based around what he wants as well as the contract is concerned, too. The other part of this, though, Chad, what if the Ravens get an offer that they just simply can't refuse for him? What if they get a type of haul that we saw the Browns give the Texans? I think a perfect landing spot would be Atlanta for Lamar Jackson. I just don't. I don't know how you do that if you're Baltimore. I mean, I, I signed the guy. Like, well, just, it's, it's just... Unless, well, you sign him, but I think in order to... He turned down a lot of guaranteed money last year. I know. And if you're not willing to pony up that way and you're tired of the headache, do you just say, okay, let's trade him, let's get what we can? It's just such a rare find. I know. To get Former Lamar MVP. Jackson, where they got him. You know, he wasn't a top 10 pick, but where they got him and for him to transform that offense, it really in his own image. That offense is in Lamar Jackson's image. Yes. And that's how it's built. But to be able to do that and to capture it and to win as many games as they've won with Lamar Jackson, you know, he hasn't been to the Super Bowl yet. I get all those things. He's in a very crowded market of great quarterbacks in the AFC. But think about all the other teams in football that are searching for that Lamar Jackson type. You've got him. You've got him right now. I understand that it may be a headache. It may be too rich for your blood and what you want to pay in guaranteed money, all those things. But I find a way to make it work. I, I'm not seriously considering trading him at any point just because we know how hard it is to find oh, I mean, the next Lamar Jackson that could be there. He's still so young that could be there for a generation as your quarterback. Ozzie Newsom and his final draft set up all of this to put things in order. And now Eric DaCosta is running things. And he says, and who is already in the organization during this, they're going in that direction moving forward. They want Lamar Jackson. Uh, and for those who are like, oh, what's he, what's he done? Look at the Ravens recently. He is 45 and 16 as their starter when he start game, starts games in the 61 starts. That's all you need to know. He's electric. And... If made available, you want to like speak on like who's willing to pony up and pay the guy. There will be someone that's willing to give him the type of money that we saw in Cleveland. He's he's really the only guy that qualifies for this based on his situation of Baltimore not wanting to pay him. We don't know that yet about the Chargers or the Bengals in regards to them or what's going to happen this offseason in Philadelphia with Hurts. But it's Jackson that's dug in. Not the other guys. There are reports that Cincinnati actually is in a position to give Joe Burrow what he wants. Uh, I remember reading reading that that they'll be fine in, in offering that and doing it. Um, I, I just I will still as great as Lamar Jackson has been. I don't think Lamar Jackson. Um, I don't think it translates to the same extent as it does in Baltimore, given their current roster and situation everywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily oh, just I, a plug and dominate guy. I think in Atlanta. It it's does. a huge upgrade a lot of places. But I'm not, it, I'm not in arguing Arthur that. Smith's offense, though. Yeah, it probably. Fits. And it may be the one spot. But I don't think you can say that everywhere. No, no. It's like, like Aaron Rodgers is an example. I think Aaron Rodgers is, wherever he ends up, wherever they trade him, I think he's going to be an upgrade for almost everyone in the league, yeah. wherever he goes. It's a different I just, mentality I think Lamar Jackson is a different level of upgrade based on surrounding personnel and based on his ability to run. 
and what you need with that ability around him. I think that's what changes it. Do you think Todd Munkin leaves for that job? Not leaves Georgia, but leaves Georgia for Baltimore if there was not some assurance with Lamar Jackson being his quarterback? I don't think he interviewed for any other NFL offensive Tampa. coordinator jobs. Tampa. Uh, I'd rather. I'd still rather be in Baltimore. So yes. Yeah. So my answer to the question is yes. Yeah. If given those two options, he was going to leave for the NFL. Okay, I, I believe that. I believe there's a reason that Mike Bobo got the job three seconds after the guy left. And I believe there's a reason that Todd Munkin is telling the media in the build-up to a national championship game, well, let's not talk about family. This isn't a family. Uh, Kirby could fire me at any time, and I could leave at any time. Dude knew he was about to move on. He wanted to be in the NFL. So he was going to go. So even if Lamar Jackson isn't there, I think Munkin would be wise to rather be with that organization, with Baltimore, as opposed to the possible wreckage you're going to have in Tampa if it's Kyle Trask. Right. I mean, based on whatever they try to or upgrade eight. with. Right. And they're not picking high, so you're not going to get a franchise guy in the draft that you're going to mold. I mean, I'd rather have Huntley over Trask, but yeah, I see your yeah. point. If it's not Lamar Jackson. But you take that chance, because I still think there's a very slim possibility Oh, and I, I think this there. is what Lamar has been okay with. I think he's been okay with the idea that, okay, you're not going to give me the fully guaranteed money. I'll get fully guaranteed money every year as you tag me. And then you, after two years, he'll, he'll make roughly was around 70-plus million guaranteed based on the way the cap is going up and the tags and the contracts that are continuing to flow in for the quarterbacks. I mean, that, he's looking at it like he's making Kirk Cousins-type money when he first went to Minnesota on that three-year deal. Um, he's making that within two years. And, I mean, it's generational-type wealth that he's wanting – but in terms of the fully guaranteed money, once he signs the the franchise tag, he's got it. So I, I think he'll sign it if he's tagged. I think the negotiations continue. And I don't think there are... I mean, I, I realize he didn't make the trip to, to Cincy, but the players, the reaction from his teammates in that game, after that game when they got back, ver- and, and also the reaction from Harbaugh and DaCosta at the presser, that tells me that they're okay with whatever went down at the end of the year and that he wasn't on the sideline, and that they're willing to continue those talks, which he cut off, by the way. He had a deadline starting the season because he's representing himself. He cut those talks off in order to focus on the season or whatever he wanted to do. Now those talks can pick up again, and we'll see where the Ravens come in as they continue to renegotiate what was the contract offer that he turned down a year ago. You know what the rest of the league is rooting for in this situation? that anything happens other than him getting a huge guaranteed contract. Sure. Especially if you're one of the teams that y- you feel like you're going to be the next one up. They're hoping this is a franchise situation yeah, laid out, and then it I, works out where yeah, he doesn't get not, the big contract. Not the second fully guaranteed. Yeah. I don't deal. think they're rooting for injury, per se, or anything. You know, that would prevent that. But they're hoping that it just doesn't – that Deshaun Watson ultimately is seen as this big-time outlier because of the desperation – of the Haslam's yeah. and, and the Browns and not the first domino to fall with every major quarterback getting a fully guaranteed contract. And I don't know that's what the owners want. They don't want him to be the second. Yeah, they yeah. don't they don't want it now to be they want but, they want uh the Deshaun Watson thing to not be the precedent, but to be the exception to the rule. I would also be hesitant for Baltimore's sake. Baltimore uh look at Dallas with Prescott. They would not, they continued to kick that contract down the road with a couple of tags. And then he 
Prescott ended up getting hurt five games into that franchise tag year, and then they gave him the money anyway. They ended up paying him more than what they had to, and they paid more by not getting something done earlier because they Jerry didn't want to pay up of what Prescott was wanting. Yeah. But if he had, he would have ended up saving money versus what he ended up spending on the tags plus the new guarantees. Now, do you think the Ravens and Bashadi, if Lamar Jackson was lost five games into this season on a franchise tag, do you think they would pay him what he ultimately wanted? I mean, if they get the results whenever he's not in the lineup, probably. They lose when he's not starting. I don't know. I think, I think it'd be tough to replicate that, even if they lost every game from there on out. I think the knock would just be, well, you can't stay healthy anyway, so it's not going to matter. Well, they've already offered him the guarantees similar to what Prescott got in Dallas, and he turned it down. So it'll be on him now. It's a huge risk. I mean, you're getting offered 150-plus million guaranteed. It's, I, I couldn't turn it down. But this guy is, and he's representing himself while doing it. More power to him. And, and by the way, if you are a fan of the league and a fan of uh, the, the players getting theirs versus what the owners have, you should be rooting for this guy to cash in. Big. I find it you know, weird that the, the NFL media is siding on the side of the owners in this. Seems like a lot of people are like, ah, you know, too much of a risk. He sh- doesn't need to represent himself. He's actually handled this very well, in my opinion, versus what he could have done, which is just taking the initial offer. Yeah, I think the, the one thing that um, the counter to what you're saying is, and I don't see a lot of media saying this or making this point in their argument about it, if they're taking the side of ownership. Um, the, part of the reason that a lot of people love the NFL is because nothing is guaranteed. They feel like they're getting optimum effort because they don't ever have to wonder about someone resting on their laurels because they can get cut at any point. And all they get is what they already got in the signing bonus. Right. And, and all that contract, all those numbers mean nothing if they get cut. And look, I, I mean, I, I, that's a great thing for the business of the NFL too, right? I mean, that's awesome for the owners that gets to continue. So I'm with you. I don't understand like, yay, let's go billionaires. You know, I'm going to be on the side of the billionaires yeah. over the millionaires. But I do understand wanting to protect what you love so much if you're a fan. And if you believe that part of the reason the sport is so great is that people never rest because they could get cut at any moment and that competition drives them, then I think that's why you probably side with the owners. I haven't heard that argument laid out that way very much, so I don't know that people are saying that. That would be my side of it if I was arguing for it. I want everybody to get whatever they can, you know, ultimately, but I, I can see why owners would be staunchly against, you know, the guaranteed contract starting to come into the league like we saw with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I totally mo- understand that. The money that's given out to the players in the NFL versus the other leagues, vastly different. Vastly different. And I, I don't want the player... I don't think it's great for the NBA that players run the league. But, um, you know, playing every snap because you want to get that, you know, get the money and you don't want to be cut, that's going to happen. I mean, because what the owners are doing is they're cutting the non-guaranteed salary part that where it's, you know, it's just a fluff year at the back end of a contract to make it look bigger for the agent. They're cutting that player, even if he's doing okay, yeah. because you can go get a cheaper, younger player in the draft. You're not necessarily upgrading yet. You could, but it's going to be a weaker position initially versus, you know, offensive linemen, for instance, come, come to mind. 
Um, those take time to develop and gel with a new group if you're overhauling things. Yeah, I, I, the one thing that, that would be my one criticism about the the contract structure of the NFL is it does incentivize the owner to uh, even if a veteran wanted to make the minimum of what they're due just to keep playing. Right. It doesn't incentivize ownership to do that. It incentivizes them to go draft someone in the fourth or fifth round and start over, and then that guy's done playing, even if he's playing well. That's not right. That's not necessarily the meritocracy we love about the sport. That's just simply, this guy's doing fine, but we're going to get someone that's a slight downgrade just because they're a lot cheaper. Chad, Tiger Woods, he is back. He's returning to the Genesis Invitational uh, at Riviera, and he's in it to win it. Here's Tiger. The recovery is more on my ankle. The leg is better than it was last year. I'm excited to go out there and compete and play with these guys. And I would not have put myself out here if I didn't think I could beat these guys and, and win the event. That's my mentality. And if I wasn't ready to win at this level, I know I am very rusty. But I've come off rusty situations before and I've done well. And plus also I know this, this golf course. Uh, I know I haven't had a lot of success on this golf course, but I, I knew what to practice for. And he's in it to win it. And I, I believe him from the mental edge that he requires to play. He's not signing up just to be, you know, the, the mascot of the Genesis Invitational. Um, I don't know if the body can hold up anymore. We'll find out. I want him to win. I want him to have success. You were there at the Masters for his win. 2019. And, I mean, the, the, the fanfare around that, it's kind of like, it's like Brady. I want one more year of Brady. I'm not going to get it. Um, I want one more win for Tiger. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was amazing at, at the Masters being there for that when, when he won. And I, mean, I think if you're just a fan of big spectacle, you want Tiger Woods to win again. So I'm all for him winning. I want to see it happen. He's 47 now. I mean, he's two years removed from the car accident that almost you know, took his life or you know, at best maybe in the scenario – he may have been in a wheelchair. His leg. Based on that, his leg. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's pretty crazy where he is now, but I mean, he's talking about he can barely walk at times. Plantar fasciitis is set in on the surgically repaired leg. You and I detailed that. We, we saw that at St. Andrews and other places yeah. last, last year. I, I Look, I, I love the mentality. Um, it, it's really for everyone on the outside to have expectation about what they want to see or what a win would be or look like for Tiger Woods now, I wholeheartedly believe him when he says, I don't understand guys who have a different goal other than winning when they show up at a tournament. I've never been that. I don't understand why you show up to you know make the cut or make an appearance. Everything I've ever done professionally has been to win. Yeah. When I show up, I'm expecting to win. I'm preparing to win. I, I believe him when he says that. I also believe that he will never win again. Wait. And I, I hate that. But that's what I believe. Yeah, he finished, what, 45th or something at the Masters last year. And then he had to withdraw from the PGA Championship and missed the cut, his last appearance, which was at the British Open. We haven't seen him since then. And now we get a chance to see him at uh, Riviera. And again, he says it's a course he knows well. That's why he's in it. And that's why... And I do think among mental edges that the great athletes have, he may be at the top. And just dominance over the mental aspect of the sport. I think him, Michael Jordan, I'd put Tom Brady on that list. I'd put Joe Montana on that list, especially after a piece I just read about him. Um, 
it's a but, it's a short list but of the, guys. The reason I'm pointing to him, in, in, the team sport guys versus yeah. individual sport guys, I think it's a different level the, too. The teams, yes, because the team sport guys that you're mentioning, I'm with you. They're still in some way relying on another teammate to benefit what they're doing. And with Tiger, I mean, I mean, we certainly know the history and the resume, and it speaks for itself. But but seeing him withdraw just doesn't. That's when you when you're a, you have a coverage of a tournament and Tiger's in it and they're not showing his game because it was that bad. Ah, I, I don't I don't see him winning either based on what you're saying too. By the way, this discussion makes me think about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan turned 60 years old today, and to celebrate his birthday, he gave a 10 million dollar donation to the Make a Wish Foundation. That's the largest individual donation wow. in that that organization's history. That was his 60th birthday present was to make a wish foundation. Pretty cool. Also makes me feel pretty old to think about <laughs> Michael Jordan turning 60. So two things there. Happy for the make a wish foundation. Not happy for me now feeling much older that Michael Jordan is 60. And Jordan would take on anyone on the court right now. Yeah. Jordan has had this obsession at different times that he wants to get back to his playing weight of like 214. I think in his height, like his playing, he had exact, it was 214 or 218 at six foot six. He played at in the NBA. And he's, uh, I've read things where he goes through these modes that I'm going to get back to my playing weight. Never does it. Can never make it happen, but that he, he's trying to do that at different times. Chad, we believe that Vegas always knows. There is a line in college hoops tonight, number one versus number 10. I mean, get rich, I think is what Clay says. Uh, get rich, kids. I'm going to tell you how to get rich right now. And I will be utterly stunned if I come back tomorrow and I tell you to invest money into this thing okay. we're going to talk about and you don't win a lot of money doing it. It's a I weird put, line. I put my almost my entire account into this thing <laughs> happening tonight. I, that is how I have, never, I have never felt more confident in the $17.19 <laughs> I had left in my account and putting my money there than I will when we come back. All right. Uh, I can't wait to discuss this because I want to know the reasons that could be why we're seeing this line in a I, I, and top I'll, 10 I'll matchup. give you the reasons why, but none of them make any practical sense. I'm with you. That's, it's like wizardry and magic we're talking about here. We're going to dissect this next. Outkick 360 rolls on. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Withrow has emptied his account. I'm about and to empty some more. All $17 and, what'd you say, 13 cents? Something like that. And it's between Look, I'll put number... $20, I'll put $20 okay, on it. All right, cool. I, I have more than that in my account, but I'm thinking about laying more down right now. Right. In fact, when we're well, done with this segment, well, I'll, yeah, I'll I'm lay going, more I'm going down. to, based on uh, your reasoning for what... So, it's Alabama-Tennessee tonight, number one versus number 10 in the country. And it's in Knoxville. Yeah, it's, a good, it's, it's a, probably the best college basketball matchup of the night. Uh, two weeks ago, this looked like it could be one versus two yeah, in America. Right. Tennessee was second in the country. Tennessee's lost three of four. They lost at Florida, where they played terrible. 
They won a game at home where they played terrible, 46-43, to but beat a good mm. Auburn team who's in the top 25. They played at Vanderbilt and p- played okay at times. Vanderbilt played very well. They lost at the buzzer on a three. Uh, it was a well-executed play, but Tennessee should have won before that, made a couple big mistakes. They uh, lost a game that if you played it a thousand more times, they would win the game. Uh, all of them, but this one that happened on Saturday where Missouri shot 58% from three and hit a running 30-footer at the buzzer after a lane violation and a missed free throw for Tennessee, and they lost by one again at the buzzer on a three. So some bad luck for Tennessee. But Tennessee tonight at home against Alabama. Number one Alabama, best team in America. I don't know that it's that close right now from what I've seen in college basketball this year. Purdue's good. They've got a seven foot five guy down low. Alabama's got the best player in college basketball and freshman Brandon Miller, who's from right here in Nashville. They're playing great. Tennessee has stubbed their toe twice in the last week. Tennessee has a very daunting stretch ahead of them at Kentucky at AM after these next after this game tonight. Yet somehow Vegas has Bama as right now a a two-and-a-half-point underdog to Tennessee. Now, here's the biggest part of this. Tennessee is going to be without Josiah Jordan-James, who is their most versatile defender and a senior leader, and they are going to possibly be without Julian Phillips, their five-star freshman, who is a six-foot-eight versatile defender. These are the two guys who would probably be tasked with guarding Brandon Miller. Yet Tennessee is a favorite in this game. Hutton, I don't understand how. What does Vegas know here, Chad? I don't understand. The only thing that you could say is just, well, I think Tennessee's do and Bama's do. In other words, if you play the lottery and you play the percentages, Tennessee goes 2-0 and this past week almost every time. And instead, they went 0-2 at the buzzer in both of them. So is this Vegas just saying the law of averages will now benefit Tennessee and Alabama's gone through a nice stretch? They're due a 13% from three night or something crazy I mean, I'm, bad I'm to where Tennessee to, wins at home? I just I don't understand is how there, you don't put all your money on BAM on the money line. I, I see this. I'm like, is there a suspension or an injury that Vegas knows about that we don't? Well, for Bama. uh, Bama's got a player, Betty Yako, who's their big man. But he is a game time decision. Rothstein says he's he averages five point six points per game yeah. and five rebounds. He's not one of their top guys. Yeah, he's a good big man down low. It would if, affect them if he was out and couldn't go. But he's a game time decision that's that's likely to go. All right, so you're you're. I'm laying. Hammering, I'm laying heavy. Hammering on this. not just Bama plus three. Bama to win outright. I think Bama wins by double digits based on where these teams are right now. Tennessee does not have the guys who can defend Brandon Miller. They're a great defensive team. Jemai Meshack, really good defender. you got to defend by committee against a guy like this, and against Bama, who is going to do nothing but penetrate and either take it right to the rack or kick it out for a three. That's their game. They are taking dunks and threes, dunks and threes. So you've got to rotate quickly. And when you take your two most versatile defenders off the court, that is a problem. I don't understand it. Uh, as a Tennessee grad, I'm even telling you this. Take Bama money line. <laughs> this is the easiest money you will make all Bet year. Bama. If Tennessee wins this game, feel free to play this back tomorrow, what I'm telling you. But right now, mark my word, bet everything you have in your online account on Bama <laughs> to win on the money line. You actually get a good little percentage based on that, not just to cover – to win outright. They will go to Knoxville 
and win tonight. This game has already been played. You'll have some handicapper selling that. It's like the game's already been played. I've seen this game. You can call and get the free it's, recording. It's been played. You are really relying on some magic in Thompson Bowling Arena. That magic, by the way, that helped Missouri in front of a sold-out crowd never miss a three. They're banking in. Their big guys are banking in threes. They had a 30-foot runner at the buzzer. That's what that magic led to on Saturday. Chad, uh, the Pac-12s need a little magic with their yes, TV deal. It's need some money. Not looking great. Um, yeah, they need some money. So the idea was, at least from the Pac-12's perspective, is based on the $8 billion television contract that the Big Ten received that that would raise the tide, uh, raise the ship of the Pac-12 and their upcoming media deal, which expires after 2024, or they need it before the 2024 season. The problem is nobody seems interested in acquiring the Pac-12 currently. I think someone will, but not at the price that is projected, which they were hoping to get around $40 million per school per year. That's nowhere close to being the case currently, Chad. And, and this, to me, spells doom because they had the chance to come up with some type of agreement with the Big 12. They didn't. When I say they had the chance to, you could come together, right, and have a, a massive conference of your own. Didn't. And I wonder what happens now, especially after USC and UCLA bolt. Well, I think the big error was from Klyavikov was when the Big 12 signed their deal, they got a lot of money and they got a, an upgrade in yep. television packages from Fox and ESPN. So his thinking was probably, well, if they did it, we feel better about our conference, so now we're going to go and get more without recognizing there's only so much money to go around. You get the CEO of Disney saying, we got to really get specific about where we pay for our sports rights moving forward, that everyone's going to get more selective, right? So, there's a recession coming. There's a lot of things going on. These sports rights are through the roof ridiculous. So you've got to get picky and specific about where you spend your money. My point is, I don't know that there's enough money to go around for the Pac-12 right now. They're going to approach streaming services. And sure, Amazon or Apple TV Plus or someone could get in bed with the Pac-12, but is that really worth it for them? Is that going to drive subscribers, what they're all trying to do, and get more people signed up to watch uh, Arizona Arizona State in hoops? Is that what's going to move the needle for Apple TV Plus? I, I don't think so. So but the I, I don't know blood, how much money there is to go around for some of these conferences. So right currently, the SEC gets, what, 60-something per school per year, roughly? I don't know. Um, you've a got lot. A hundred million coming for the Big Ten per season. I believe the ACC is around thirty-three. They're locked into that. Big Twelve just got a six-year extension for thirty-one point six million. The Pac-12 felt like they were going to get upwards of forty, and that's not going to happen. And it's unlikely now that they get the same as the Big Twelve. So what becomes of the conferences that aren't going to be in the triple-digit? Hundred million range because the SEC eventually will, yeah, and the rest won't. Well, and look, what, and, what and becomes of college football there when you have truly it already is, but truly the haves and the have-nots. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying that um, you know everyone's going to not have money moving forward. My my point is when Disney's coming out and saying we're going to get selective about our oh, sports yeah. rights we pay, NFL is going to be fine. 
The SEC is going to be fine. Those are the brands. The Big Ten is probably going to be fine. But if I'm the Big 12, they just signed a good deal. Good for them. But Pac-12 we're talking about now, ACC, I'm really concerned about what the future looks like and just how far behind you're going to fall from a media rights deal. What Major League Baseball has with local markets uh, is going to be affected, like the Bally Sports, you know, filing well, for bankruptcy, NBA, MLB. There's going to be a lot affected by that. Um, I, I just don't know. I, I don't think that it would be a mistake to make the assumption that because the Big Ten makes so much and the SEC makes so much, well, we're going to make more too. That's not the case. One thing they can do that will help the conference, I believe, is go ahead and add SMU and San Diego State. They've met with them. The commissioner's been on their campus. I do think that will help them from a market standpoint. Is that going to help them land a media rights deal? Probably not. Would you do that if you don't have the media rights deal in place? If, If you're those schools, would you make that move? And what happens to the conference itself whenever the the grant of rights deal is up just prior to the 20. Are we going to see a max uh, exodus of those programs already being rumored? Of course, Oregon, Washington. Well, first question is absolutely. I make the move because you're still going to get more in the PAC 12 than you would in the, the American conference ultimately. So even if they're having a hard time getting what they want, they're going to make more by joining uh, a yeah. power conference. And that, that would be the PAC 12. So, Look, it's the least more than – I would say it's the least of the, the Power Five conferences right now based on their media situation everything else. But you're hopping in there if you're SMU and San Diego State. So if they're after you, you make the jump and do that. Um, I'm just – I'm curious to see where all this goes. I'm curious to see the level at which streaming only plays a part in this and how they piece it together. It, I still don't think – you're in a spot if you're in college sports where you're you're going to want to go streaming only. You're, you're going to no. want yeah, over the right. air broadcast cable in some way, not just streaming only. So it's going to be an interesting case study for the Pac-12. LeBron James attended the Super Bowl and then didn't play for the Lakers, despite uh, this is a load management situation. The, I guess despite needing his team in the playoff push, uh, they're currently 13th in the NBA standings right now out of the West. Um, looking to get above that threshold where you've got the Utah Jazz in tenth, but Chad, this is a—it's a bad look. It's a bad look, load management or not. Oh, it's terrible. And he—he he just looks like a guy who's playing out the string now until his son can come and play with him for that one season. To me, uh, yeah, terrible look when you're all over the place at the Super Bowl and you don't play the next night. To me, that I'd be like, now I have to play. Now that I was here, now I'm going to have to you know, show up and play. But look, LeBron James also knows he doesn't have to do anything um, because of his situation. The NBA has a stakes problem. What I mean by that is I don't feel like any of the regular season games have any stakes at all. Guys sit. Guys rest. Doesn't matter at times. Everything that happens before Christmas doesn't matter. Trade oh, deadline. This team's three games below 500. Doesn't matter. We just made a trade. We'll get in the playoffs, and then that's all that matters. When you tell us constantly with your actions that these games do not matter mm-hmm. at all, why should I ever care about the NBA? In fact, I don't care about the NBA for this exact reason. Give me the NBA Finals where I'm watching two teams with stakes. That's about it right now. I don't even know if all the playoff series have true stakes when you get down to it. Load management is such a problem. The length of the season, which, by the way, was never an issue in the era of Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley and everyone else. 
I watched those games on WGN back in the day, and I felt like Michael Jordan was willing to give his left leg to beat the Milwaukee Bucks on a random Friday night in a game. That does not happen anymore in the NBA. They have a stakes problem. It's a huge issue with the league. It's one of the biggest reasons I don't watch. For the good of the sport, they should shrink the schedule and give them less games and put more stakes into the games they have. They'll never do it because it would mean less money, so they're not going to make that happen. They are killing their fan base, though, with some of these decisions because I just don't see where it matters. I really don't. The dunk contest doesn't even matter, Chad. Oh, that's, that's one that truly doesn't matter now. Uh, Davey Hudson has uh, some graphics for us, and I, I know this has been announced. I've seen the headline, Davey. I uh, have no idea. I can't even tell you who won last year in the dunk contest. Growing up, this was the thing. This was a favorite of ours. Chad, I can speak for you, too. Well, uh, and I, I mean, going back to Dominique Wilkins it was and Michael Jordan and Tracy McGrady, viewing, right? Appointment viewing. Uh, Davey, let us know who's... Uh, or at least we're going to try to guess who's in the dunk contest this year. So what I wanted to do was, well, last night the NBA announced their four finalists for the slam dunk competition. And I thought, well, we can get some graphics. We can blur out the the jersey. I don't even know if you could still tell me who the player was, even if I, I had who it was. So if you look at this graphic, anybody have a guess of who this is? I'm going to take it a step further and say I, I have no clue who that is. So that's, and that's, not only that, uh, there's a logo on the shorts. I'm not even sure I know that logo. <laughs> so that's the Rockets logo. Is it the logo. Houston Rockets? That is, that is correct there. The that Rockets was one thing we, we did not get fixed in time. But this is Kenyon Martin Jr. Okay. I, so, I loved his dad. Yeah. His dad was a great player. Well, back based in on Cincinnati back in the day, terrific say, player. Came I'm going to go ahead and say he's the, the favorite Nets, to win. He's the, the favorite to win. The New Jersey Nets. I mean, look, I, I, would, I would rather watch an all-star dunk competition that just consists of, uh, of former past dunkers' kids, even if they're in the league or not. Yeah, I want to see them, like, even if one's like a, uh, you know, now a 38-year-old accountant, I want to watch them in the dunk competition <laughs> over some of these guys. Who do we have next? Now, David? what about this guy? I mean, this one, Slim Pickens. we got a white guy in the dunk con- contest, so any – Anybody got an idea who this is? I, I think I know this one uh, only because I happened to like, I was trying to avoid this for this exercise. Okay. Who is this, Chad? Uh, it's a guy who almost went to Tennessee as a transfer at one point. Mm. That's correct. Mac McClung. There you go. From right. Georgetown. Georgetown then went to Texas Tech. But here's the thing. Until yesterday, Mac was in the G League. <laughs> he's, he's for the blue coach for the, the 76ers. Now, yesterday they did sign him to a two-way contract, so he's technically a member of the Philadelphia 76ers at the moment. I'm thinking well, they do have a game tonight, but I'm thinking they did that just so they could put him in a Philadelphia jersey yes. come the dunk contest. That's exactly why. I, that's funny. Are they, you do they have that? another G League guy in? I, I saw well, – well, don't, we don't need to spoil the exercise. I don't know. I saw <laughs> but I'm, the, uh, I'm buying into that theory if they no, have another I, G League I guy. I saw in. the uniform, and I thought to myself when it was blurred out, I'm like, is that a practice jersey? Like, Davey really is fooling us because that's like an NBA team's practice jersey. Oh, no, it's a G League jersey. If, if they have another G League player in, that's exactly what they've done. The NBA has, has – they didn't have enough players to participate, so they put two G League guys in. And our next guy um, – you guys are going to get this one, but this is Trey Murphy – the third. Any idea who oh. he is playing for? We can see it now. Oh, well, well. That's fine. The <laughs> Trey Murphy the third playing for the Pelicans. Okay. I yeah. don't know who Trey Murphy the third is. Did we know where he went to college? Uh, he, he initially went did to he Rice. Go straight to G League. And then he did transfer to Virginia and play for the uh, Cavaliers for a minute. He was a first round he's pick. Good at, he's good at defense. Yeah. And he's in the dunk contest. If Tony Bennett's coaching you, you're good. You're good at defense. That's what I want is the best defender in the dunk mm. competition. That's what Just the anyone. Said. Anyone to fill out the dunk contest roster. It's and then uh, final one, Davey. Yes, and then finally we have 
Again, I'll just throw this one out. This is Jericho Sims <laughs> for the New York Knicks. Okay. I mean, like, play, play to Texas. There you go. Yeah, the, I, the name sounded familiar. If you just showed me his picture with the blurred-out jersey, couldn't tell you. Could, could have told you he was a college basketball player, not knowing the difference. But this just goes to show, like, how little this event even means. You mentioned Hutton, you couldn't name who won it last year. I was looking, and I was like, I couldn't name who won it in the last five years. Yeah. The last time I remember somebody winning it was uh, when Zach Levine did back-to-back in 15 and 16. But you had Obi Toppin last year, Anthony Simons in 2021, Derek Jones in 2020, Hamadou Diallo in 19, and Donovan Mitchell in 2018. Like, I've just wiped those from my memory. Let's get a trampoline and get some mascots. At out least there. I he- I've heard of Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, that was the one name you're going through those names, uh, the- and I'm like, I've, I've heard of him. He's a good player. All Star Weekends this weekend, right? Yep. Wow. If you if you have nothing better to do on your Saturday at eight Eastern, you can tune in on TNT and watch yeah. this. I'll see the winning dunk. I like the um, three point shootout, and I, I for a time I liked like the different skills competitions when they do the little obstacle course. I can I can watch that dunk competition. No thanks. Coming up. Watching the Super Bowl on a flight, and one screen was not on the Super Bowl. And this guy's getting demolished for it on social media. I'm actually on his side here. His next now kick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Chad, there's a story, uh, New York Post a viral screenshot of a, a airplane passenger's screen, you know, the, the nicer airlines, right, will yeah. have the screens in every, every aisle, behind every, um, every seat. Yeah. For every, every seat will have a TV in front a of a shot of the New York Post uh, that, that they've posted this up, but where a plane passenger screen goes viral, should be jailed was one of the comments. But every screen was on the Super Bowl except for this guy who was watching Hitch. And he's being just destroyed. Uh, the, the post says, Air, airplane passenger being crucified by sports fans after he was caught being the only person on a flight not watching the Super Bowl. Photograph taken inside the darkened cabin hilariously highlighted how everyone on the plane was glued to the NFL thriller between Kansas City and Philadelphia, which the Chiefs won 38-35. Now, I do find it funny. I that every screen's on here. And this is indicative of how many people watch the Super Bowl and are interested in it. Because if, I think if you walk down the aisle, we flew back on uh, up and down the aisle and what people wanted to watch on the flight, if they could, no one's watching anything like this where you can just literally, I could look at your screen and watch one game and watch something else, right? We could have watched together. <laughs> but also screen. like, here's, here's the one guy who's not a football fan and actually scheduled a flight accordingly. Unlike... Football fans who apparently schedule flights during the Super Bowl, this doesn't add up. Uh, the, the sports fans grilling this guy need to look in the mirror if you, in fact, would agree that 
all of these are football fans trying to watch the Super Bowl. That's just not the case here. Let me throw out one more possibility. Maybe he is a huge Chiefs or Eagles fan, and he's got it recorded to start from the beginning when he gets home, and he knows that no one has their sound on with it. And he's like, you know what I I haven't watched? That 2005 classic rom-com, Hitch. I'm going to watch that instead, and then I'm not going to find out what happens until I get home because I want to watch the comfort of my own home. Now, the fact he's watching Hitch probably tells me that he's not the biggest Eagles or Chiefs fan, and he's not doing that. But I like to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. I'm, I'm with you. Either he just doesn't like football, and he's not dumb like everyone else who's flying during the Super Bowl, or you know he's a diehard fan and he's like going to earmuff it all the way through the airport to get his Just bags and get in the car and then go home and try to go dark yeah. on the outcome of the game and, and watch when he gets home. Which that would be, by the way that would be I've had some pretty serious going dark on a game moments where I've made it through well, and I be- get there to watch it and start it from the beginning. This situation would be the most severe. If you could get through a plane ride where everyone's watching it, get through an airport, get all the way home, and still not know what's happening, start it from the beginning, you've accomplished something. Chad, what did you think of Hitch? I loved it. It's it's I, I love rom-coms to begin with. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of Will Smith's best efforts. I really do. Kevin James as the like as the lovable loser in this, um, really good. I'm trying to think of the the love interest in it. Uh, I can see her right now. And I'm blanking on the name. She's good in it. I'm a big fan. Big fan of Hitch. And I, I think I, I nailed the year, too. I, I think I it was 2005. It. I just can't remember it. I forgot Kevin James was in that movie. Yeah. That may have been Kevin James' first film role <laughs> was in this, from when he went from King of Queens to this <laughs> hey, show. I can't remember movie. it, but I can tell you it's probably better than 80 for Brady. I saw it in theaters with my parents. Hitch? Yeah. <laughs> I think on a Valentine's Day. <laughs> Bobby Carpenter next. <laughs>